The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. here at CNBC Global Headquarters, and here is your top five at five. From a tear to a tumble, the NASDAQ taking a bit of a wild ride after its best start to a year in nearly five decades, set to open up sharply lower this morning. And a trio of trouble in big tech, headlined by Apple doing something for the first time in nearly seven years. Some rough reports from Amazon and Alphabet just adding to that sour taste out of Silicon Valley. And first it was GameStop, then Bed Bath & Beyond. Now activist investor Ryan Cohen has a new target, and those shares are surging. Plus, the Adani crisis continues. That company shares lose another $30 billion in overnight trading, the latest in just a moment. And later on, we're bracing for Beyonce, how Ticketmaster is looking to avoid a uh, Taylor Swift-like disaster out of Queen Bee's first solo tour since 2016. It is Friday, February the 3rd, and you're watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. And good morning. I'm Frank Holland in for Brian Sullivan. Thanks for starting your morning and your Friday with us. Let's kick off the hour with a check on U.S. stock futures, mostly right across the board. We're looking at it right here. Um, the Dow looks like it could open up just about 100 points lower. But really, the story here is the Nasdaq. Looks like it could open up about a percent and a half lower. This is a really stark reversal from yesterday. They saw the index shoot up more than three and a half percent and cap off its best start to a year since 1975. Now, this on the heels of a massive pop and MetaShares, and its best single-day gain in a decade. You're seeing the move right now, the big jump right here. Big day for Meta. A lot of people looking at that stock, making some money. You can see it's down in the pre-market right now. Um, and it's not just tech that's on a tear. Also watching the transports. The transports, we're talking trucking, planes, et cetera, up nearly 8% this week. Big spike here, as you can see, um, on pace for the best week since March of last year. We're talking names like JetBlue, Old Dominion, FedEx, that also popped on some layoff news, um, all those companies leading the charge. We're seeing the chart right here. Big moves for those stocks, double-digit moves. Again, FedEx, that 12% rise, partly on news of some layoffs of managers and other people at the shipping company. Also want to look at bonds right now. Um, Got to clear this here. Bond yields. Um, right now we're looking at 3.39 for the 10-year benchmark uh, right there. Um, down about three basis points from its high yesterday. Still seeing that inverted yield curve. Something we're watching is a possible recession indicator. How many times can we say it, though? Also turning to energy. Oil continues to move to the downside, down more than 5% this week. You see the moves for oil right now. WTI up fractionally this morning. And, of course, we have to pay attention to crypto. Still a huge story around Bitcoin after trading at its highest level since August yesterday at more than $24,000. Big move for the cryptocurrency. You see now it's fallen below that level at about 23,420, down more than a percent and a half today. But year to date, a big rise when it comes to crypto. All right, that's the early look here. Let's check the action overseas with our Jamana Bersechi standing by in our London newsroom. Good morning, Jamana. 
Hi, Frank. Well, for the most part of the week, these European indices did do quite well. The stock 600 is up about one percentage point. But today we are giving back some of those gains. You can see there is quite a lot of red on the board. We're digesting data over here. We just had Eurozone PPI numbers come in plus 24 percent on the year. That is slightly higher than expectations. Also earlier on, we had those final Eurozone PMI numbers come in a smidge better than the flash estimate as well. So slightly more positive on the data front when it comes to the macro data. But of course, the major decisions yesterday were taken by the ECB and the Bank of England. Both of those central banks hiked by 50 basis points. So we are seeing some ramifications in terms of the interest rate sensitive sectors today. You can see the Zetra in Germany down six tenths of a percentage point. FTSE MIB in Italy down four tenths. Yesterday, we saw a humongous rally in BTP yields. Ten-year BTP yields were down about 40 basis points. But I want to turn your attention to another major story that's what we've been talking about overnight, and that is what's been happening with Adani Group, because shares in the group have shed around 50 percent of their total market cap since the short seller Hindenburg Research released that report accusing the company of fraud. And worth noting that over here in Europe, Total Energies has said that its exposure to Adani Group companies represents about 2.4 percent of its total capital employed around $3.1 billion. So we don't have total energies up here, but the reaction hasn't been so negative in the stock. It is still quite positive. But you can see the picture for all of these Adani companies. Significant pullback today, down about 10 percentage points for green. The enterprise as a whole uh, at one point was down about 30 percent. In total, shedding more than $100 billion in value since that report came out, Frank. All right, Germana Brissetti, live in London. Thank you, Germana. All right, turn our attention to this morning's top corporate story, and it has to be a tech triple threat. Our Silvana Hanau is here with much more on that. Good morning, Silvana. Hey, Frank, good morning to you. That's right. So shares of Apple and Amazon, Google parent company Alphabet, down sharply in the pre-market and set to give back a huge portion of yesterday's outsized gains at the open. First off, Apple posting its first quarterly earnings miss since April 2016 and its second revenue miss since 2017. Now, most on the street knew Apple was facing a lot of headwinds heading to into the holiday quarter. Now, think manufacturing trouble in China and falling demand. But many are still stunned by the report, which included sales coming in more than 3 percent below consensus and its biggest miss in more than a decade. A rough night for Amazon, too, topping fourth quarter sales estimates. But for Andy Jassy and company, it was all about light Q1 guidance and some tough year over year comps. It's cloud services growing 20 percent in the quarter, down from 27.5 percent growth in the third quarter. Now, here's CEO Andy Jassy on the call last night. We're working really hard to streamline our costs and, and, and trying to do so at the same time that we don't give up on the long-term strategic investments that we believe can meaningfully change broad customer experiences and change Amazon over the long term. As um, I address directly the, the North American stores um, questions, you know, I think our, you know, probably the number one priority that I, that I spend time with the team on is reducing our costs to serve and our operations network. One bright spot, however, advertising, posting a 19% year-over-year growth. And finally, there's Alphabet. After cutting 12,000 jobs, the company says it will, quote, meaningfully slow its pace for hiring for 2023 as it faces a range of higher costs and slowdowns in advertising, especially on YouTube. Here's CEO Sundar Pichai. It's clear that after a period of significant acceleration in digital spending during the pandemic, the macroeconomic climate 
has become more challenging. For the quarter, Alphabet missing across the board from earnings and revenue to ads and cloud, Frank. Yes, yeah, Savannah, a lot going on in the world of tech. Lots Thank you on. very much for that. Okay. We appreciate our Savannah Hanal. We'll see you later on the show. All right, turning our attention outside of tech land, investors awaiting the monthly jobs report to round out what's been a busy week for economic data, central bank decisions, and of course, corporate earnings. Joining me now to discuss is Marianne Bartels, chief investment strategist at Sanctuary Wealth, and Adam Coons, chief portfolio manager at Winthrop Capital Management. Great to have you both here. We're just going to jump right into this. We just were talking about it with Silvana just a moment ago about those big tech earnings. Uh, we don't want to focus too much on tech, but I do want to ask you, what we saw from Alphabet, Amazon, Apple, of course, does it change how you see mega cap tech and how you're balancing your portfolio? Uh, Marianne, if you don't mind, you. Sure. Thank you. And thank you so much for having us. We've been in the camp um, that growth is in a bear market and growth being defined by the large tech companies. So we still believe these companies are in a bear market. Uh, we called it the COVID bubble with all the stimulus money that went into these names really, you know, expanded their valuations. And they're just going through a period of valuation compression. You know, these are great companies. We believe in the digital era and tech over the long term. But we think in the near term, this is not really where you want to be. But the Fed did pivot. And we're definitely seeing the risk on. So there are pockets of tech that we like. And we're focusing more on the semiconductors. Yeah, you know, that's very interesting. We're going to talk a little bit more about semiconductors and talk about Ford later on. Adam, I want to ask you the same question. Um, everybody says they're a long-term investor, but I'm sure some of your clients, when they see short-term losses, get concerned. So what's your perspective when it comes to tech and portfolio balancing? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a similar story. Um, that The problem is that we came off of a couple of years where, where tech really took off. Evaluations got a little bit stretched. Uh, but everyone was in this kind of FOMO uh, phase of investing where we were chasing returns. We didn't want to be out of names. And so a lot of investors chase names that really the story um, behind the stock was the driver, not the, the underlying fundamentals. So 2022 was a year of resetting, uh, resetting valuations. And so what we're going to really look for in 2023 is a shift towards higher quality uh, tech companies. So that, that's where we're focused uh, are your names like Amazon, uh, Alphabet, uh, Apple. So it, it's really about those underlying fundamentals, the resetting of valuations. So we do like tech. We're just really selective in the names within tech. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a very common story. A lot of people looking for profitable businesses and also free cash flow, whether it's tech or not. Um, less of an emphasis on growth. I also want to talk to you guys about central bank decisions. We saw the ECB's decision. That was pretty much what was expected. Also, our central bank's decision, pretty much what was expected with that 25-point basis hike. Um, but the comments from Jerome Powell, were those surprising to you, Marianne, at all? And did he suggest, did he maybe lead us towards a possible pivot? Yeah, well, we're saying the tone definitely sounded like a pivot and using words like disinflation, uh, inflation expectations anchored um, really seemed to have more of a dovish tone and definitely not what I was expecting, given how hawkish all the statements have been, uh, you know, going all the way back to Jackson Hole in, in August. And you definitely have seen, you know, the uh, market 
really now price in that we're not going to get to a terminal rate of 5% and that the back half of the year, um, the market is expecting rate cuts. I'm more comfortable saying that this rally has some legs. I think we can rally into the summer. Now, we still have to deal with the debt ceiling. We, you know, the markets have had a great move. They're overbought. We can get some consolidation. Right. But the internals, the technicals of the market are really telling us that this move is for real. So, Adam, what do you think about what you heard from Jerome Powell? And then also, of course, we have the jobs report coming up today. And then next week we have uh, CPI. And then on the 24th, we have PCE. How important are these different economic reports starting with the jobs report today? Yeah, so I would take the other side of that. So I think the Fed has has shown over the last year that uh, there's no intention of moving away from this tightening policy. And I think the market continues to try to front run the Fed um, in a way that, that, you know, they think that there's going to be a pivot. They think that there's going to be this pause. And I think that we need to stop trying to guess what the Fed's going to do and just really listen to what they've said. And so we think that the bond market has this right in the sense that interest rates are coming down because the Fed is going to continue to tighten. And even when they pause, you're still going to have quantitative easing, which is going to remove this liquidity uh, that we've had in the market for the last, you know, call it decade. Um, So what we think is happening is that the the interest rates out the curve, you're seeing the 10 year come from a 425 to, you know, below three and a half is really driven by the fact that the economy uh, is headed for recession. What we think are the stocks and equities as a whole have gotten wrong here is that they, the, the equity markets are thinking that interest rates are coming down because the Fed's going to hit it. At best, the, the Fed's going to pause, but that's not necessarily going to change the dynamic. So, so what we think is that uh, there's still some pain uh, for equity markets here in the near term. All right, we'll have to watch that jobs report out at 8.30 this morning. Marianne Bartels and Adam Coons, thank you for being here. All right, when we come back here on WEX, Ford looking ill-prepared to take on Tesla and GM and the EV pricing war. That stock down sharply in the pre-market, the latest in just a moment. Plus, activist investor Ryan Cohen has a new target, and those shares, you can see them surging. That's our mystery chart we're going to show you in just a bit. And later, much more on the tech triple threat, the three A's. And if investor sentiment is about to make a major shift, a very busy hour still ahead when Worldwide Exchange returns. Stay with us. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. All right, welcome back. We're watching shares of Ford this morning, moving sharply lower, down more than 5% ahead of the open. The automaker missing street estimates for the fourth quarter and falling short of its own full-year guidance by more than $1 billion. Ford citing execution issues and chip shortages plaguing their operations. This is Ford engages in an EV price war with industry powerhouse Tesla, 
Ford boosting production and lowering prices on its Mach-E all-electric SUV, a move that could drum up demand but will certainly hit margins. Joining me now is Philip Houchois, equity analyst covering autos at Jefferies. Philip, thank you for being here. Morning. So, Philip, I want to start off with this Ford news. So we're going to say throughout the day, I'm sure, supply chain issues and chip shortages. How much of it is really the supply chain and how much of it is management execution? I mean, I think in general, we've seen a glut of chips on the market. They do need specialized older chips. But with all these chip makers facing so many headwinds, was it on management to go to them and say, hey, this is what we need? I would imagine that Ford is a blue chip customer. Yeah, I think I mean, the. The supply chains are not back to normal, no doubt, but I think uh, they've been easing, things are getting better. And I think what we heard from uh, Ford yesterday, unfortunately, it was a bit of the, what we've heard to several quarters. You no, know, it's just operations haven't come under control in the way that maybe they have a GM. And uh, so I think that a lot of it is on management as much as the ongoing disruption to supply chains. So where are they at right now? I mean, you heard the call, you were listening. Mm-hmm. Where are they at right mm-hmm. now when it comes to that chip shortage? Is this also yeah. a headwind? going into the next quarter or the current quarter, I should say? No, no, I don't think, I think actually, if you look at the moving parts of the guidance they gave us for 2023, they expect quite a bit of reversal of the costs they incurred in 2022, which they deem as kind of non-recurring, exceptional, et cetera. So I think overall, um, their supply chains are improving, the chips are improving, some of the commodity costs are coming off. And um, so no, there's some, a number of, of, of tailwinds for them on the cost side. Uh, the headwinds for everyone across the industry at Ford, GM, and elsewhere is, of course, the pricing. All right, yeah, let's get to the juicy stuff here, Philip. The mm-hmm. price war. Um, mm-hmm. Is Ford ready to compete in this price war? We often hear about Tesla having the most control over its supply chain and the highest mm-hmm. margins when it comes to production so that they can generally afford to reduce prices without being hit too hard. Can the other automakers that are trying to catch up to Tesla do the same? Well, it's a different machine. I mean, there, there is a higher profitability Tesla to begin with. Um, the variable cost is improving, and they've got a very big leverage to growth. They've got the, the variable costs go down as they grow, and the fixed cost leverage is very high because it can leverage the R&D and SGNA in a way that no other car maker can do, or very few other car makers, because most car makers are still kind of trading. If they sell EVs, they don't sell ICE. So effectively, the underlying growth is the market at best, or no small variation, whereas Tesla is a very different logic where they can absorb more you know, pricing cut because of their profitability. Right. But then there's something virtuous about the way they get the growth to then help their variable cost base as well as their fixed cost base leverage. All right. So what you saw and heard from Ford, GM and Tesla, are you changing your rating on any of these stocks? And do you have one that's your top pick? No, we continue like Tesla. I mean, we've been you know, taken aback, of course, what happened in the course of 2022, and it was annoying, and a lot of the issues you know, we, we knew about, whether it's governance or some of the weakness around uh, some of the markets. But effectively, from the rebasing, um, the dynamics of, of improvement at Tesla are very strong. Okay. Um, I think for the Ford and GM, it's and the cost momentum is there. There's some improvement, but they're facing you know, very low growth, and they're facing pricing pressure in a bigger way. Than, and over time, Tesla's impact is immediate. I think at Ford and GM, it'll take several quarters for us to fully appreciate how much pricing pressure there is. All right, Philip Houchois, we appreciate the insight. Thanks for being here. Thank All right, on deck here on Worldwide Exchange, another Swift-level meltdown in the making. Free tickets to one hot Asian destination. And GM's new deal with Netflix, your top trending stories. When Wex returns, you don't want to miss this Beyonce story. Stay with us. From their innovative practice facility to unmatched views from the fairway, 
The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with 5G solutions from T-Mobile for Business. Together, we're using AI-powered analytics to expand coaching tools and bringing fans closer to the pros with 5G-connected cameras. This is game-changing innovation. This is the PGA of America with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. All right, welcome back to WEX. Let's get a check on this morning's other headlines. NBC's Francis Rivera in New York with the very latest. Happy Friday, Francis. Happy Friday, Frank. Good morning. We start with the Pentagon, who's tracking a suspected Chinese spy balloon over the northern U.S. President Biden has decided against shooting it down over fears of falling debris causing damage or injuries on the ground. It comes at a time of high tension between China and the U.S., with Secretary of State Antony Blinken about to visit Beijing. Chinese officials say they are looking into the matter and that China would not violate another country's airspace. And the South is thawing out after a deadly winter storm claimed eight lives. The slippery surfaces made for some slick situations for many. She couldn't even get up. The heavy ice downed trees and power lines leaving hundreds of thousands in the dark and cold this morning. With Texas there, hit the hardest. She, she's still not trying. Just saying, I'm, I'm over it. In Fort Worth, a jackknife truck crushing this police SUV, sending two officers to the hospital without serious injuries. And now much of the Midwest and Northeast are bracing for bitter cold temperatures as Arctic air is sweeping through. Wind chills could reach 60 below zero in some areas. And finally, what better way to wish the goat in your life a happy Valentine's Day than with a goat? One North Carolina farmer had just that idea when coming up with goat grams. So if you are looking to get your loved one something instead of flowers and chocolate, residents in the Raleigh area can schedule a visit with the painted farmer goats on the 13th and the 14th instead. Frank, is send it back to you on this Friday. That's certainly a lot more imagination than flowers. <laughs> uh, I don't think it's for everybody, though, Francis. Francis Rivera in New York, thank you very much. You are welcome. All right, as we head to break, watching shares of Clorox popping in the pre-market, you can see up more than 4%. The maker from everything, from Brita filters and bleach to glad bags, posting earnings more than 50% above consensus. Its biggest earning beat since all the way back in 2011. Key takeaway from the quarter and what makes it a real standout from rival P&G. Gross margins were up more than 3% on the year, more than offsetting higher materials and shipping costs. And Clorox says it's expecting even higher margins this year. Wex, we're back right after this. Stay with us. The Nasdaq set to pull a U-turn after its best start to a year since Jaws topped the box office. Futures are lower with the tech-heavy sector bracing for a steep sell-off. Those losses being fueled by the A-team. Apple, Amazon, and Alphabet all in the red on the back of disappointing quarterly results. We dig into the numbers and see if it's all doom and gloom for these key players and fears of layoffs. Fueling a return to the office, Robert Frank, he lays out the big uptick in companies where they're seeing their employees just ditching that remote work and heading back to their desk. It is Friday, February the 3rd. You're watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Welcome back. I'm Frank Holland in for Brian Sullivan. Happy Friday. Thanks for waking up with us. Let's get right to the markets and see how they're shaping up on this final trading day of the week. You can see right here, futures, they're starting off in the red. Uh, the Dow could open up uh, somewhere right around 100 points lower, but really we're talking about the NASDAQ down more than a percent and a half right now. Um, and we really want to watch this. We're seeing Apple, Alphabet, and Amazon really weighing on the tech-heavy index. So all this after a massive pop by the NASDAQ yesterday, jumping more than 3%, marking its best start to the year since all the way back in 1975, man. 
Since Jaws is in the box office, we mentioned it before, a massive pop of MetaShares, its best single day in a decade, really helping to lead that charge. You're seeing the big jump in Meta right here. Um, shares, however, down about 2.5% in the pre-market this morning. We also want to check the bond market. The benchmark 10-year yield right now, we're seeing it pretty much stable at 3.38, a couple basis points lower than we saw the high yesterday. Of course, still that inverted yield curve, something we note with all those recession concerns. We have to get a check on energy. Oil right now, uh, as we can see, down in the pre-market, very fractionally right now, just very fractionally. WTI crude at 75 bucks a barrel, Brent crude at 82 bucks a barrel. Still a little fluctuation right here. But what we really want to talk about is WTI crude at about 75, 76 bucks a barrel. That's actually lower than it started the year. Investors seem to continue to wait for that Chinese demand and a full Chinese reopening. All right, let's check on some of the morning's top stories. Our Silvana Hanau is back with those. Good morning again and happy Friday again, Silvana. Happy Friday, Frank. All right, let's start with Nordstrom because shares are surging ahead of the open on a report that Ryan Cohen has taken a sizable stake in the department store. According to the Wall Street Journal, the billionaire investor plans to urge Nordstrom to make changes to its board following a steep drop in the price of its stock. The journal adds Cohen is aiming to replace at least one director with a particular focus on former Bed Bath & Beyond CEO Mark Triton. Now, the, he who chairs the compens- Compensation Committee and whom Cohen believes is conflicted and unqualified. The sell-off in shares in Adani Enterprises continues. The drop coming despite gains for bonds tied to companies within the Adani Group. Reports suggesting some of those companies have made scheduled bond payments while the firm's owner was in talks with creditors to proactively prepay some loans. That move could free up stock in companies of the group pledged as collateral. And shares of Silvergate Capital plunging in extended trading following reports, it now finds itself ensnared in the fallout of FTX's collapse. Federal prosecutors with the Justice Department are apparently probing the firm and its dealings with FTX and Alameda Research. The reports add that Silvergate has not been accused of any wrongdoing and the inquiry, which is in its early stages, could end without charges being brought, Frank. Silvana, thank you very much. Got it. All right, turn our attention back to our top story. After an outsized rally yesterday, the Nasdaq set to take a tumble this morning on the heels of some weak reports from the A-team. We're talking Apple, Amazon and Alphabet. First up, Apple reporting its first revenue miss since 2016. The company expecting most categories to fall at a similar rate in the current quarter, with the exception of services. Very similar story to Amazon, despite a top-line beat. The company issuing guidance that fell short of estimates with growth, growth rates for its cloud business expected to slow for the next few quarters. And Google parent Alphabet not bucking that trend, posting its first drop in ad revenue since the beginning of the pandemic. Still, CEO Sundar Pichai remains optimistic, reminding shareholders on the call yesterday that Alphabet is an AI-first company. He mentioned the company's commitment to artificial intelligence a total of 59 times on the call. Let's talk about all this with Richard Kramer, managing partner at Arite Research. Richard, thanks for being here. Thanks. So first off, what's your take on what we saw was what we're calling the A-team, Alpha, <laughs> can't even get it out, Apple, <laughs> Alphabet, and Amazon, a little bit of a tongue twister. What's your take on just the trio of those reports? Is there one theme in there that you think investors should pay attention to? Well, I think you need to, first off, you need to look past this beat versus miss and realize that all of these companies, uh, you know, 
the stocks went up a lot yesterday and came back a little bit after hours. All of them have tremendous resources. In the case of Apple, they generated $30 billion of free cash flow, returned $24 billion to investors. Google has almost $100 billion of cash, generated $16 billion of free cash flow. And when you think about the application of AI, it's going to be those hyperscalers that need huge resources to be able to productize what AI can bring. So you're making a really good point. I, I want to really touch on the cloud and more specifically about Alphabet and Amazon that really, mm -hmm. that's a growth driver for their business. First, isn't the hyperscaler business just maturing? We keep talking about growth slowing down, but I think the consensus is that most of the, the loads, workloads that were easy to move have already been moved and now companies are just taking more time, we'll say, on their decisions. Um, why are people judging 20% growth so harshly? It's still positive growth. Well, sure. And, and clearly, there is a consumption element to cloud, which is slowing down. And part of that will be the fact that overall economic activity is slowing down. And you see that in Amazon, for example, which effectively is the U.S. retail market. Or you see it in Apple talking about a challenging macro environment, even though its iPhone business would have been flat or up substantially if they didn't have the Foxconn issue. So there are clearly some slowdowns in the wider economy. And that's leading through to consumption. There's also some what, of what we call demand destruction. All of those VC-funded apps that we're spending heavily on cloud services, they are no longer in the game to, to be able to spend that money in the same way. So as you saw, all three companies talk about efficiencies and cost right. savings. Every other company is going to be doing that, too, and right. that's going to impact the cloud businesses. I feel like we're saying the same thing. I mean, we're talking 20% growth, 32% growth, still strong growth engines for these companies. And now I want to turn uh, to AI. So last mm -hmm. year when Google purchased Mandiant, we thought there was going to be a race for cybersecurity applications to make uh, cloud offerings and hyperscaler offerings more robust. How does this play by Microsoft to invest in chat, GPT, and open AI? How does that change the game for an Amazon and an Alphabet? So I think one of the things you saw in, in, in Alphabet and, you know, the headline of our, our comments this morning was it's really the company's in transition from ads to AI. We wrote a piece back in 2019 about the next hundred billion at Google. And we talked about AI as a service back in 2019. And now it's just starting to come to fruition. In, in the same case with Amazon, they've had years-long investment in Alexa smart speakers, but they haven't been able to productize and manage that into attractive commercial services. So the challenge now for these companies, having made such huge investments, is to make sure that they have the hyperscaler infrastructure to deliver those services or products at the lowest possible cost. And there you see both Amazon, Google, and Microsoft all continuing to invest huge levels of CapEx in their hyperscaler platforms. So we heard Sundar Pichai say AI, I believe, 59 times, a couple <laughs> dozen times, either way you want to count it. Um, yeah. What are you expecting when it comes to Alphabet and Amazon? Is it going to be M&A? Do they have some way to increase their ability to offer AI just internally? Well, just a, a week ago, we heard IBM say they're really focused on AI and that they're actually <laughs> looking at both organic and inorganic growth in that area. Sure. Inorganic, obviously, M&A. Okay, we've been saying for five years that big tech would make no large acquisitions because they would all be dead afraid of the regulatory blowback that would happen. And you take a look at Microsoft Activision, it's now heading into its a full second year and there won't be a decision until May. I don't think any of these companies are going to look to make any large scale acquisitions. That said, they are attracting talent 
and you saw the job cuts at, at Amazon, at Apple, at our sorry, at Alphabet and Microsoft and others, they were a fraction of the people that they hired this year. So they are still building up these areas, make no mistake about it. But they're using the air cover of a tough economy to clean up their organizations and make sure they're they're fully focused on AI. I don't think there's any major acquisitions in scale for any of these companies, but I do think they will continue to bring in talent as much as they can. And I think those 150 plus AI startups out there, most of them really hoping to be bought by Amazon, Apple, Google, Microsoft, or one of these folks. Yeah, a lot of uh, speculation about M&A. So before we let you go, we talked about the A team. What's your top pick when we talk about these three stocks? And give us just the main reason why. Well, I think if you look at a company like Apple, um, you realize that it's been a source of value. It's been a tremendous relative outperformer. They have 2 billion active devices. Yes, they will go through uh, cycles where replacement lengthens on some of its products, but they really haven't fully tapped into that base of large uh, subscribers yet uh, into fully uh, expanding the services business, which had already hit a record level in the quarter. I think if you look at Alphabet and Amazon, they will spend most of 2023 materially reducing their cost base and come out into 24 in a much better, healthier position. All right, so and certainly a lot to watch when it comes to mega cap tech. Richard Kramer, we appreciate the insight. Thanks for being here. Thanks. All right, we're just three hours away from the release of the January jobs report. The impact from big corporate layoffs, it just remains uncertain. But amid those job cuts, a growing number of companies are seeing an uptick in employees that actually want to come back to the office in person and work. They're ditching those sweatpants. Our Robert Frank joins us now with much more on this. And Robert, just how big of a jump are we talking here? Yeah, Frank, this is a meaningful milestone here. More than half the nation's office workers are now back in the office on the average weekday. Office use for the 10 biggest cities hit 50.4% last week. That's according to Castle. It's the first time that it passed the magic 50% mark since the pandemic. There are big differences. Austin, Texas is at the top at 68%. San Jose down near the bottom at 41%. New York is now at 48%. The actual number could be even higher. A survey of New York's biggest employers by the Partnership for New York City found that 52% of Manhattan office workers are now back. Only 10% are fully remote. That's down from 16% this fall. And most New York office workers are in at least three days a week now. The new normal for New York, say employers, will be about 56% of office workers back. Now, the industries with the highest office rates are real estate, finance, and law. Tech is among the lowest. Labor experts say layoff fears are driving many workers back to the office, and more CEOs are cracking down. Starbucks telling employees who can commute back to be back in the office at least three days a week. Disney requiring at least four days a week starting in March. Frank? Yeah, we have to watch the results of sweatpants makers. I think they're going to be hurt. Robert Frank, always great to see you. The Frank and Frank podcast coming soon. All right, coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, the blowback over stock buybacks, the White House taking aim at some, but not all. Companies spending billions to buy up shares. Jimmy Petakoukas lays out the catch-22 that Washington is facing. But first, as we head to break, some of your top trending stories. We begin with Hong Kong, giving away 500,000 plane tickets over the next six months. To kickstart the city's reopening to international travelers, those free tickets will be spread across the Southeast Asian and the Chinese markets before being offered to other parts of the world. Ticketmaster is gearing up for what's expected to be high demand for tickets to Beyonce's upcoming Renaissance World Tour. It's her first solo world tour since all the way back in 2016. Ticketing for the North American leg of the tour 
It begins on Monday and comes amid fresh scrutiny for the company due to the botched presale of Taylor Swift's tour and Netflix unveiling a new star for some of its upcoming programming, electric vehicles from General Motors and other automakers. The streaming service announcing yesterday will feature vehicles including the Chevy Bolt and the GMC Hummer and shows and movies where relevant as part of what Netflix and GM call a commitment to a more sustainable future. Worldwide Exchange, we're back in a moment. Stay with us. All right, welcome back. Time now for your big money movers. First up is Starbucks. You can see shares are down almost 2%. The company missing on earnings and revenue for the fourth quarter is weak international demand due to COVID lockdowns in China. They continue to weigh on Starbucks results. Starbucks' CFO will have more on the results in a first on CNBC interview on Squawk Box at 8.20 a.m. Eastern. Next, Atlassian. Shares dropping double digits after the software company posted operating and revenue losses. Management says difficult macro conditions were putting pressure on demand with both new and existing customers signing up for the service at a slower rate. You can see shares are down 12% this morning. And finally, Qualcomm. The chipmaker beating on earnings but missing on revenue and saying it expects an 18% revenue decline in the second quarter due to a weaker market, inventory drawdowns, and COVID lockdowns in China. The company's CEO did strike an upbeat tone for the current quarter. However, shares are down more than 3%. All right, let's stick with earnings and that theme. And one of the big developments this season, major share buyback announcements. Meta becoming the latest company to do so with its $40 billion initiative this week. And that comes on the heels of Chevron's $75 billion plan. And the two are not alone in clawing back their shares. As our Bob Pisani points out on CNBC.com, citing data, before Meta's announcement, there were 77 new buyback programs announced in January with names like Mondelez, BlackRock, UPS, and Marathon Petroleum, all announcing programs worth $5 billion or even more. Uh, overall, announced buybacks have more than tripled in one, to $132 billion from just a year ago. But so far, it's only big oil feeling the wrath of the Biden administration with the White House going after the likes of Chevron over its buybacks, as well as fellow oil giant ExxonMobil over the pair's record profits. For more, let's bring in Jimmy Pethokoukas, American Enterprise Institute economic policy analyst and a CNBC contributor. Happy Friday, Jimmy P. Happy Friday, Frank. All right. So, Jimmy, I think the first question we got to ask is, do you see the White House speaking up or perhaps inter intervening when it comes to buybacks from some of these other companies? Meta's $40 billion plan is not chump change. We know Chevron's at $75 billion, but that $40 billion number is still pretty sizable. Yeah, that, this is why this issue drives me a little crazy and why politicians drive me crazy. The fact that we're going to pick and choose companies to complain about ones which may have a little more political oomph in the current environment, I think shows that there's not a real strong economic policy case for complaining about this. Look, when, when, when you have companies paying low tax rates because they invest a lot in R&D and new equipment, they get bashed for having a low tax rate, even though they're taking advantage of the tax breaks meant to do that. And now they're not doing that. And instead, they're using some money, some of that money to buy back stock, pay dividends. And then they get bashed for doing that. That, even though there's no, that there's no evidence that it's bad for the companies. These are companies that buy back stock and you know have nice dividends. Over the long term, these are outperforming stocks. So what's the problem? The problem is that they don't fit into the political environment at the moment. All right, so the big question for investors here is how real, if you could put a, a number on it or a percentage on it, is the Biden administration doing something to curtail these buybacks? I think 
in many cases, we see a buyback and then the stock pops. There's probably people that buy the stock not only for that pop, but the idea that they're a shareholder. Um, when you reduce the number of shares, it makes your shares just more valuable by default. Um, how real of a risk is this for investors that are looking at some of these companies with buybacks to invest in? One, uh, I always like to remember that you know, shareholders are, are owners and, it, and it's not just you know, fat cats, it's people who own these companies, retirement funds, uh, 401ks. I would say that in sort of a normal political environment, that there's nothing, it w- nothing would happen. And the only reason I put even a sliver of something happening in today's Washington environment is that normally you have Republicans who would be, you know, saying that, you know, leave these companies alone. There's no evidence this is bad for these companies. You know, they have their own problem with a lot of big companies who, who aren't, you know, sort of buying into a particular uh, agenda that Republicans are pushing. So I, I'd say there's not a zero chance uh, but it's uh, if you round it, it might be zero. <laughs> if you round it down, it might be zero. That's yeah. pretty interesting. So our Bob Pisan, as we mentioned, has a, a really great uh, story out on CNBC.com looking at the buybacks. And it's really a broad range of companies with these buybacks. So if you don't think Washington's going to do anything, is there any other risk to companies doing these buybacks? I know we had some talk about legislation that would tax buybacks last year and things like that. But is there anything else coming down the pipeline that would make that not a wise decision for these companies in 2023? Yeah, that, that's what's interesting is that you had the is that when when Washington's acting, you have these sort of very slight like little cert taxes here and that and remember that happened when uh, Democrats were in complete control of Washington. Listen, these big companies are an easy target. We're in a populist age. Very few people are going to ju- are going to jump you know to the fence of you know a four hundred billion dollar company, but. And, which is why politicians often they often have their you know little plans they'll put out there, but for something actually making its way into legislation, that is not something. I think that that's always going to be headline risk, but I don't think it's I don't think it's you know substantial risk. Jimmy, you mentioned a normal environment in D.C. I don't even know what that means anymore, but I know what you're saying. We appreciate your insight as always. Zero percent chance. I like the rounding. Jimmy Petakukas, thank you very much. All right, a lot more coming up on WAG. Stocks under pressure on the back of disappointing tech earnings as investors gear up for the monthly jobs report. Cities Stephen Whiting lays out what to watch in the trading day ahead and Worldwide Exchange. We'll be right back. Stay with us. All right, welcome back. Time now for your WEX wrap up. Six stories you may have missed as we close in on the six o'clock hour. Apple reporting its biggest year over year revenue drop in seven years. The company is saying it expects that most categories will fall at similar rates next quarter, with the exception of services. Amazon is shutting down some of its fresh-and-go stores as it looks to cut costs, following a disappointing first-quarter revenue forecast. The company will also pause expansion of fresh stores. Kohl's naming interim CEO Tom Kingsbury as its permanent CEO. The retail giant also saying that McKellum Advisors, which have been pushing for board seats, has agreed to back off of that push. Carlisle Group is courting former Goldman Sachs executive Harvey Schwartz to take over as the private equity group's CEO, according to reports. And Beyond Meat revamping its retail sales strategy to focus on five major grocers, including Costco, Walmart, and Whole Foods. The alt-meat maker will also be hiring a new marketing executive as it deals with declining sales. And Ford reporting an ugly fourth quarter and full-year net loss, setting execution issues that plagued operations. The automaker falling short of expected sales by 100,000 units and says it's looking to cut additional costs and potentially adding to layoffs. All right, gearing up for the trading day ahead, it is Jobs Friday. The January employment report is out at 8.30 a.m. Eastern. Forecast calling for a gain of 187,000 in non-farm payrolls and unemployment to tick up very slightly to 3.6%. 
Cigna and Regeneron are out with quarterly earnings before the open and closing arguments are scheduled today in that shareholder lawsuit against Elon Musk over his 2018 tweet saying that he could take Tesla private. All right, turning our attention back to futures and a banner start to the year for stocks, barring some rough moves this morning. Check out the Nasdaq 100 on the verge of exiting bear market territory, sitting just shy of a 20% gain from its October closing low. Let's talk more about the global markets and the economy with Stephen Whiting, chief investment strategist and chief global economist at City Global Wealth. Stephen, thank you for being here. Woody Frank. So first off, I want to start about that jobs report coming up. Um, some people believe, and I don't know if you share this opinion, that Jay Powell was hinting, maybe suggesting that they might be leaning towards a pivot. Um, no hard statements there. But how important will the, today's jobs report and unemployment, whichever way it goes, be to the idea that we could see a pivot or a pause or something that the market's looking for? Well, I'm afraid it's just going to cloud the picture. It's winter economic data. The month of January on a seasonally unadjusted basis, normally let go about two and a half million uh, people for seasonal reasons. Um, leisure and hospitality is one of those categories. Now, it's an area that's had a lot of pent up demand that's still recovering. And in the fourth quarter, there was a shortfall of jobs in that position. So I think we're going to have an above consensus employment report. And that is despite the fact that the underlying situation for labor demand is weakening, weakening over the course of this coming year. You can see it in the layoff announcements. You could just see it in the uh, output plans of companies uh, after this massive rise in inventories. That's marketing and sales positions. The housing industry, maybe the sales level can bottom, but not the production level. It's going to have very large job losses. But I don't think you'll see it in this January data. It may reignite fears uh, that the Fed is going to stay on its path and continue uh, raising short-term rates, even if it is 25 basis points a clip. In the end, mm -hmm. unfortunately, I think we're headed to higher unemployment this year. Okay. So it sounds like you're saying there's some risk in equities with this jobs report and just the Fed's moves down the line. So where would you allocate right now? Is the place to be bonds? Well, uh, they've done really well, and we're overweight U.S. Treasuries, uh, 8.5%. Uh, what we've expected is 10-year U.S. Treasuries to fall to about 3% by year end. Uh, and take a look where they've gone, all the way from four and a quarter percent to sub 340 this morning. They could get set back. We would expect the U.S. dollar after the raging strength of last year uh, again to fall back because the Fed has indeed uh, moved more rapidly than other central banks and is restraining the economy going forward uh, more than I think the markets expect. Uh, but this kind of move that we've just had, including the, the rocketing back of equity markets very, very quickly. Um, it's subject to some setback here. In the end, I think getting the inflation rate down, getting the worst of the okay. economic data out of the way sooner than people think can be very good for our markets. Uh, I just think uh, markets have been a little too soon to think that we can get rate cuts, okay. uh, diminished inflation without any economic weakness. All right, before we let you go, you're talking mostly about U.S. markets. We saw a move by the ECB earlier uh, this week, pretty much expected. What's your view when it comes to European stocks, uh, Asian stocks, just international investing in general right now? Well, um, it's improving. In fact, we've raised our global growth forecast, unfortunately, even while cutting the U.S. sun. Uh, China, again, reopening has a lot of pent up demand. Europe, most clearly, it's not a growth paradise, uh, but it's losing an incredibly strong energy shock from last year that sank its economy. So we've allocated some more money there. And these are cheaper markets with lower expectations. All right, Stephen White, we got to leave the conversation there. Thank you for being on and thank you for your insight. 
Uh, right Thank now, you. we're looking at futures still down in the red. The Dow looks like it open up about 100 points lower. The Nasdaq about a percent and a half lower right now. Something to watch after those disappointing results from Alphabet and Amazon. And that's going to do it for us here on Worldwide Exchange. Squawk Box coming up next. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.